0: Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the first recorded miracle of Christ, after his taking on human flesh, occurs roughly 30 years later, When he turns water into wine to bless a marriage in which they had run out of wine. It's not a surprise that his first miracle is to bless a marriage. Because God uses marriage in Ephesians chapter 5 verses 21 and following as a model, a mini model of his love and his relationship for the church. Christ, the groom, the church, the bride. Of course, when God created Adam and Eve, the other two institutions were there when God presented Eve to Adam. They have marriage, you have the church, and you have a mini form of government right there as those two stand together. Brothers and sisters in Christ, God uses marriage as a mini model. The husband is to represent Christ, the bride is to represent the church. And in our text today we see that God uses marriage to reveal the glory of His church. Our text for our sermon is Isaiah chapter 62, verses 1 through 5, which I will be reading throughout the sermon. Now, Isaiah lives roughly 150 to 200 years before the Babylonians come and destroy everything. They take out the temple and no two stones are left standing together. And God had sent Isaiah to warn the people, You keep cheating on me in our marriage. You keep chasing after false gods. In fact, it wasn't an uncommon view of people in those days to see, there's kind of the God that the king worships and that's our national God, but I need these local gods, these these ones that I can keep in my household, these idols, just to bring good luck to watch over our family. Brothers and sisters in Christ, after Isaiah prophesied for many times about the destruction of Jerusalem, today is just pure gospel. Now, when you have a marriage, which God uses throughout this text today, when you have a marriage, one of the very first things you think of is the bride coming down the idol in her beautiful dress. Usually her and her girl friends or bridesmaids have spent quite some time making her look as pretty as she can be for that day. It's kind of something that the women do. Well, God says that about his church. He says, for Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not keep quiet until her righteousness is going forward as a bright light and her salvation as a burning torch. And so nations will see your righteousness and all kings your glory. Recall that the Old Testament church was supposed to be Israel, the package deal. And they were supposed to shine out to the neighbors around them. So the neighbors would say, There's something righteous about that nation. And they would say, Where is salvation to be found? And Zion, that was the mount where the temple was built. And that was to remind them of God's presence and the coming Savior because of all those blood sacrifices that would wash away their sins. Jerusalem was the capital. Lots of times the Old Testament uses that picture of Zion, Jerusalem, or Israel because the people were supposed to be believers as a concrete example, a visual example of what is the invisible church. While God is going to allow the Babylonians to come and wipe out Jerusalem and the temple, He can't keep silent. It's not going to last forever. What the people in the Old Testament failed to do as a nation, as a whole, has happened in Christ's death and resurrection. He put His righteousness on you. You wear a beautiful white wedding dress of Christ's righteousness. And it has shown, it has brilliantly shown throughout the world. You cannot find one nation in the world where there is not a Christian. That light started with the apostles going out and telling others, your righteousness is unrighteousness, but God took on human flesh and He was righteous for you. And then He died to wash you in His blood. So you have salvation. Not just some kings, all kings here of Christianity. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the bride is so beautiful in the New Testament church, it's hard to find a nation where people have not heard of the Christian church and her beauty. And let us not forget that within that beauty, the Christian church has done the most to change the world for the better. It's because of the New Testament that slavery has been ended in most nations in the world today. It's because of Christian love that Philip Melanchthon, Martin Luther's right-hand man, and Martin Luther invented what would become our public school system today. It is because of Christian love that hospitals exist. You'll often hear atheists scream that religion is a horrible thing, but Christianity has done more to improve society than anything else. Yes, and that is because Christ has put you in the dress of his righteousness so that when God looks at you, he sees Christ's righteousness and it shines out. The salvation, the love he's put in your heart shines out. And so we see God uses marriage to reveal the glory of his church. A bride is adorned in beauty and you as individual members of his church are adorned in the white dress of Christ's righteousness. And that means you are saved. Now... When a marriage takes place, he comes forward as Mr. Smith. She comes forward as Miss Jones. But at the end of the service, they walk away as Mr. and Mrs. Smith. It's very common that the bride takes on the new name. And that was very common even in Old Testament times because then her husband's inheritance was also her inheritance. They were to share that together. A bride receives a new name. In our culture, it's a new last name. We're told something there in the second half of verse 2. And so a new name will be called for you, which the mouth of the Lord will establish. The name used for Lord here is the one that points out that God exists absolutely in and of Himself. Needs nothing from anybody, but it's the name that's used when He's faithful to His covenant promises, which He always is. God's going to establish that name, the Lord Himself. The church is going to take on a new name. Brothers and sisters in Christ, are you referred to as Jews today? No. Are you referred to as Zionists? No. Israelites? No. Abrahamites? No. I can keep going. No. What are you known as today? Christians. Christians, From the term, the Greek term Christ, which means the only one anointed to be Savior. The Old Testament term for that was Messiah. You have taken that on. Jesus was the only one anointed to save you. You weren't anointed to save yourself. Jesus was, but he has saved you. And so you bear the name Christian and it shines out. So we see God uses marriage to reveal the glory of his church. A bride is adorned in beauty and you are adorned in Christ's righteousness. A bride receives a new name and we call the New Testament church Christian. Now, lots of times as the marriage takes place and the couple exchanges rings, and especially as they walk out, it's very common for them to hold hands. The husband takes his bride by the hand. It's often common to see in muddy situations and stuff, the husband taking his bride by the hand and guiding her so that she does not fall. A bride is taken by the hand. And let us not forget that lots of times a husband takes his bride by the hand So that he can physically protect her. We're told in verse 3, And so you will be a crown of beauty in the Lord's hand and a royal turban or diadem in the palm of your God. The first name used for Lord we've already covered, that he's absolutely faithful to his promises. And the second name, God there, that means that he's all-powerful. Brothers and sisters in Christ, a bride is taken by the hand. What does God do here? The comparison is to, is to like a royal crown. Does he put it on his head and say, look at who rules, look at who's the king? It's in his hand. What do you do with the hand? You make things, you work. God made the church, the crown. He made her the beautiful jewel. He has given each one of us natural and spiritual gifts, as we are told in our epistle lesson in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And he makes you one of the jewels in his crown that he holds in his hand. His hand has formed his bride, his church, has formed you in order to save you and keep you in your salvation. But when you have something in your hand, it's kept safe so that the devil who will rage and roar and his demons and those who, whether they realize it or not, are doing his bidding, they constantly try to snatch you out of the Lord's hands. But God is faithful to his covenant. God is all-powerful. He holds you secure and says, Oh, my darling bride, I'm protecting you. Brothers and sisters in Christ, a bride is taken by the hand. God holds you in his hand. Here we cannot help but to think of the child's song. He's got the whole world in His hand, but He's got you in His hand as His bride. So we see God uses marriage to reveal the glory of His church. A bride is adorned in beauty. God has adorned you in, in His righteousness and salvation. A bride receives a new name. You are a Christian. A bride is taken by the hand, and God has formed you to be saved. He has worked through history to save you, and He keeps you protected in His hand. That's especially comforting for us. That's the book of Revelation. Because the devil will rage against the church, but the book of Revelation says God will not let his church fail. In the end, she will be persecuted, but she will be glorious. Finally, let's state the obvious. Once a woman is married, she's no longer single. We're told in verse 4, No more will it be said about you forsaken, and no more will it be said about your land desolate. That's what would be said of that nation when the Babylonians were done. And they would be allowed to return and rebuild. But even in the time of the Ottoman Empire, they deforested Israel and it was in bad shape. They had forsaken God. So God said, fine, you keep cheating on me. I divorce you. That's not the case for the New Testament church at all. We're told, rather, it will be called about you. My delight is in her. Even in times of persecution, the New Testament church is doted over by her Lord. He delights in you, and He actually uses those things for your good. He delights to pick you and I up when we sin and wash us off with His blood, clean the stains out of the righteousness He's given us, and said, you're my bride, I love you. So we're told about your land married, because the Lord has taken delight in you, and so your land will become married. What a comfort to Old Testament believers like Daniel who were hauled off into exile. This isn't going to last forever. But what a comfort for you and I to understand this is eternal. He's placed us in the invisible church. And it's going to be obvious to all, especially on Judgment Day, we are staying in paradise forever. And so, brothers and sisters in Christ, God uses marriage to reveal the glory of his church. A bride is adorned in beauty. You're adorned in righteousness and salvation. A bride receives a new name. You're Christians. You're beloved. You're delighted in by the Lord. A bride is no longer single. You are united to Christ in an intimate union that God will not let be severed. Lastly, as the bride comes up, you know why they wear white wedding dresses? It's supposed to be that husbands and wives are pure, that they're virgins, It really takes a lot of complication out of a marriage when the only person they're ever going to unite in in the most intimate way that God has created is going to be only with each other. A bride is pure. And lots of times we have the husband, and we don't believe in luck, and people say it's bad luck to see the bride before the wedding, and and it's not that. But it is kind of neat when when the soon-to-be husband hasn't had a chance to see his bride all dressed up in her dress, and she comes down the aisle, and, and, and he looks over and, oh, wow and he can't help but to dote do- do- over the woman he loves so we see the bride is pure and doted over and verse 5 says since a young man marries a virgin your sons will marry you now we can misunderstand and misapply this verse you they're marrying their mother gross as a young man marries a virgin you can't be a virgin and have children can you there's something strange going on here there's something pure Husbands and wives are supposed to be pure when they're married. The church is pure. We've already covered her dress. It's righteousness. She's washed clean. And how does she give birth to sons? She shares the good news that Christ is our righteousness, that Christ is our salvation. And then those very sons, and yes, you daughters are included in this, you go out and you get to be stewards of that church. You get to give offerings to help heat the buildings and share the good news with others. But more importantly, you get the gifts that you get to use to serve that church. We're about to have a voters meeting after our service today. We'll set our yearly budget and everything. There we see the men getting to be stewards over what's been entrusted to them. Most of all, think about it. A Christian God used to give birth to you they brought you to the baptismal font or they shared the word of God with you or both. And then you turn around and you get to be a steward and you get to share that with others. Be children for the church. And of course, we're talking about the invisible church of all believers. So we see the bride is pure. But we also see she's doted over. We're told, and since a bridegroom has rejoicing over his bride, your God will rejoice over you. It takes faith to believe that because God works through crosses and and just as a couple learns they get married and usually the first few years of their marriage, while they're busy in puppy love doting over each other, they bear a lot of financial crosses and adjustments. It seems to us as Christians, when we come to faith, it often seems like life gets worse. People pick on us for being Christians. They resent us. What a comfort it is to hear God actually allows that to strengthen you, to keep you in your faith, to keep you pure. Because He's actually doting over you. He dotes over you in such a way that He rules over creation not only to bring you into His church, but to keep you in it. And so, brothers and sisters in Christ, it's not a surprise that the first recorded miracle of Christ after the incarnation, the only miracle we can bet on, there's a lot of of speculation and false stories that go out, but the one that's recorded is one in which God blesses marriage. And in our lesson today, God uses that example of a marriage to encourage the people who are going to suffer, the believers who are going to suffer, uh, being desolated because of the unbelievers who had rejected Him. Today we see God uses marriage to reveal the glory of His church. A bride is adorned with beauty. God has adorned you with salvation and righteousness. A bride receives a new name. You are a Christian. You are Christ's. A bride is taken by the hand. God has created you to save you, and He keeps you in His hand so that you are not snatched away from that salvation. He holds you and loves you. A bride is no longer single. You are united to Christ in a mystical, wonderful way. And the bride is pure and doted over. God has made you pure through His church, and He dotes over you as His church. Amen. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and in his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Amen.